Jason's fourth episode now of podcasts that we still haven't named. <laughs> uh, I'm joined again with Jeff Smith. Jeff, how you doing? Doing great. Uh, thanks for having me back. I'm, I'm excited to be here and looking forward to some good discussion. Excellent. And, of course, we got Josh. He's the, he's the guy that keeps everything running. I'm just the guy that talks. <laughs> I try to keep it running. <laughs> yeah, so... If y'all want, you know, brief introduction, just let let everyone know where you guys, you know, where you guys are, where they can find y'all. Uh, we'll start with Jeff. Okay, uh, I'm a, I'm a, again, uh, I'm a Texas guy. Uh, I won't tell you where I was born because I wasn't born in Texas, but I got here as soon as I could. Um, <laughs> um, I'm a retired Army officer. Have done some other government contracting and and other things in the past. Currently enjoying a retired life and. Uh, Kind of, kind of the angle that I'm coming from is uh, military background and work some in uh, military research and development. Gotcha, Josh. What about you? Hi, I'm not a Texan guy, <laughs> uh, as you really, may tell. Couldn't tell. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm Josh. I'm the producer slash editor for this podcast that we still haven't named, and I also have a radio show that I do every Wednesdays on Splash Damage Radio. Um, so that's Wednesdays, eight pm to ten pm GMT, and that's on SplashDamageRadio.co.uk. Fun times are to be had. Awesome. So Jeff. Yes, sir. Right, right before we came into this podcast, I had mentioned something I found. Have you ever heard of? Uh, oh, so you know what MDMA is, right? MDMA, yes, the uh, drug. So I was just looking into some stuff, and it said that they're trying to use MDMA um, for PTSD, for treating PTSD. What's your thoughts on that? Um, and help me with the with the slang and stuff. Now, from from what I remember and understand MDMA historically has been considered a party drug uh, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken it's part of the evolution of way back when when they first started coming out with mood altering uh, things of that nature and MDMA is one of those that has physiological effects to the brain uh, right I, I think they call it uh, they call it Molly right is that is that right Josh yeah yeah I believe it's closest relative in the family of drugs if you can call it that is uh, ecstasy right right there yeah you go. Right. yeah and, yeah so and 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 again and it kind of goes back to the last podcast we talked about some about you know the war on drugs and and kind of changing the the paradigm and the view of all of that and and so I get I, you know the, the long way to answer your question is I'm encouraged by the notion that there are those who are willing to look beyond the vilification, uh, demonization, uh, and the flip side, look beyond the just the peace, love, and drug aspect of it, and look right. at the actual resource itself as a tool to help individuals. And not proud of it, not ashamed of it. It's just a thing that right. is. Um, I have been diagnosed with PTSD. And I have gone through the litany of VA sponsored programs and yeah. I have gone through some litany of self-medication for the better, some for the worst. So my, my answer again, that, that's where my answer stems from is that I, I don't believe in the free use of drugs. Obviously not everybody can handle it, uh, right. but I absolutely believe in looking at resources that are available in MDMA 
from again what i've i won't get into the list of what i have done i don't want to incriminate myself <laughs> i can honestly say mdma is something i have never personally tried so i have no personal knowledge on what it could do but someone with who who suffers with ptsd i can appreciate a non a non-invasive or at least a least invasive method to help folks deal with with their with their uh out with their side effects of ptsd right right and see like with drugs it's just like pretty much all things right there's there's good things and there's bad things to drugs right. it, it, it exists in a in a great shade not it's not black and white it's not one one way or the other drugs because they do have some good effects even though they do have bad effects it's something that we're not utilizing okay and w with any kind of medicine you know pretty much with any medicine it's a poison and you know when, it just and, and kind of to your point uh luke when it is used it's hidden it's not talked about they use they being you know the the uh ama american medical association doctors uh across and, and dentists across the world uh, use liquid cocaine pure d straight 100 percent freaking cocaine right. liquid i've 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 had nasal surgery. They freaking liquid cocaine, baby. I was I was good to go for a while, but you know they didn't right. tell me that directly. <laughs> it was like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna inject this stuff into your nose. Um, they didn't say, hey man, we're gonna you know we're gonna give you a couple of bumps of coke. Uh, same with heroin. Uh, same with morphine. Uh, a, a lot of those drugs. So I think I, I guess what I'm trying to do, I was trying to make your point even more so that. Not only do we not use it, but that we're so afraid of its demonization that we, when when we do use it, we hide it. Uh, right, and I think I think hiding it is because, you know since there's such a stigma against it, it especially the fact that it's criminalized is you don't have people talking about it. You don't have people saying, well, what is safe and what's not. It's not regulated. It's um, so so the production of it can be unhealthy or potentially you know life-threatening for a person right. Right. um and you know nobody knows what dosages to use these things at because it's you know they're not being educated on it yep. right that, that's correct and, and and again to your point and back to mdma uh, and, and josh you'll you'll be the true media you'll be the you'll be the judge of this i'm trying i'm going to try diligently to stay more on a particular topic <laughs> so back okay. to mdma specifically in that type of use that's that's where again i'm encouraged that it, it it's allowing that opportunity versus going in because because i'm not saying the va doesn't use drugs i'm not saying the ama that boy they they dosed me with some things that i mean i i thought what the dreams that i was having were bad but i mean it turned it up to House of a Thousand Corpses on steroids. I don't know if you've seen that or not. Uh, I'm I'm a big fan of Rob Zombie, Rob, so yeah, I've seen yeah. the movies. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it was, and and the scary part was it it didn't scare me. It was it was you know I was there with it, and it's and, and thankfully there again there was some good frontline doctors in the trenches that were willing to listen to me. Um, it would have been just as easy for me to do a couple of things when they gave me it was trazodone. Um, yeah. and everybody's affected differently. I get that the way it affected me, 
I could have easily said, screw that, I'm not ever taking it again. And there goes the self-medication part of, they prescribed it for me, but I'm not going to take it because I know better, which defeats the purpose of prescriptions. Um, right. If, if I could have also said, well, they gave it to me, they must know better, let me keep taking it. And, you know, who knows, I have a psychotic episode. Um, or thankfully, again, like I said, there was a frontline worker who didn't just blow me off who took the time to listen to me and I told her, hey, this is what's going on. And she, thankfully they found a different drug and a different dose that, and, and I still play with it. And and so that, I will tell you in case you didn't realize, that's a topic that comes very near and dear to me um, because I've had friends and I personally struggle with the medications and the, and the different things they've tried to give me. And the stuff they've got me on now, I can tell you that, uh, it, and it's not one of these fast acting like MDMA, like Xanax, where you pop it, you feel it. It's more like a Prozac right. type where, you know, it takes 30 days for your body to build up, a, you can, before you can even start feeling it. But right. like heroin, if I stop it, if I, if I just quit cold Turkey, I start going through withdrawal and it's, it's unlike a heroin withdrawal. Um, it's, it's it's a physi like heroin withdrawal it's a physiological effect on my body it's not a it, and i don't mean to make light of depression it's not a oh woe is me i feel really bad maybe i'll kill myself reaction it's regardless of what i'm thinking emotionally my body is physiologically reacting as if it's it's needing something that's not there i go through bouts of uh dizziness vertigo uh, nausea um, and and that's when I stop taking the drug you know and so it's like well crap, right. I don't want to do that for the rest of my life um, so I, absolutely I'm encouraged by you know it, anything I mean because they're between MDMA and I know they've actually experimented God forbid you know electroshock therapy got such a bad rap out of the 50s rightfully so because it was misused and abused um, right. It's come full circle now to where they're actually being able to, they've successfully used uh, that electronic training of the brain uh, yeah. as well. Um, electroshock therapy being used in a positive role in conjunction with things like MDMA or uh, psilocybin. Um, right. Other things that have almost a virtual immediate effect on the brain which allows in my opinion being a sufferer of PTSD, PTSD it allows my brain not a 30-day slow reaction and then oh god something I've got to do all the time it's it helps in that it's an, an, an immediate uh, and I hate to use the word fix but it's an immediate fix it's immediate reaction that helps me work through and rewire that situation so it's no longer right puts me again it's not you know it's not a oh my gosh i'm so scared i need to run the bad guys are going to get me for for some folks it's you know it, it's a hundred percent some of the guys i ride with ptsd and, and i we talk about it we enjoy riding with each other because we all got the ptsd so we're all hyper right. aware and none of us are scared when we go sit down in a restaurant we know we're all covering each other um right we, we kind of laugh about it because it's like you know we are the most ptsd having mofos but so so that's my thought on the use of these. Uh, it's it's got to be, again, from a moral standpoint. Um, See, it's a uh, you brought up you brought up electroshock therapy, and I've always 
I've always heard that it was really, really bad because it caused a bunch of issues, and I've always thought about it, and I was like, no, it, like, like with drugs, electroshock could be done, you know, well, it's just, at the time that it was attempted to, um, at the time that it was attempted to be used, which was in the 50s, and, you know, wherever else, yeah, they, they were essentially trying to perform surgery with a spatula, you know, their, their, their tools, their tools were blunted, they, they, they were... They were literally frying off pieces of the frontal lobe right. in an effect, in an attempt to alter the mood. And what evolved, I don't know evolve is the right word, but what grew up not as a result, but in conjunction with that was when they started doing the, you know, ice pick piercing through the eye socket. Um, Lobotomy, huh? Yeah, the, you know, and that, yeah. that's basically what they were using electroshock therapy for is affecting the frontal lobes in an attempt to alter the mood, alter the, the emotions of, of the patient. Um, right. And it, and it wasn't being used so much. And, and I can't speak for all of the doctors back then because you know, Mengele, nah, I don't want him operating on me. Uh, but I bet you he was a damn good surgeon. Um, but, but there are doctors with morals as well, but, but from what I've read and understand, up up until really the late fifties, you know, we didn't call it mental illness. You know, we called it, you know, they're retarded, they're just dumb, they're slow witted, and it was right. a, an attempt not to. It, it it was the spatula surgery, like you said, it was the band aid fix. You know, we can't cure them, but if we could just make them dumb enough and still enough, then they won't be a threat to themselves or anybody else. Uh, yeah, and there was no real attempt to cure their condition or to better their life, their quality of life, because given the culture at the time, that wasn't an issue. Quality of life right. really wasn't something we understood fully. Uh, right. It, it was uh, it was survival. Yeah, right. very much so. Um, and and, and in getting back to it, like how, how what I was mentioning with this uh, electroshock, it's it's great now that the technology we have is allowing for, you know, further study and further you know, I guess just looking into this stuff and being able to actually use it because, I mean, if it's there, it just needs sort of a rework or, you know, we just, we need to wait till our technology is better, then good, shelf it, wait till everything advances and then pick it back up because, I mean, I definitely think electroshock therapy could be used. I mean, that's, I mean, that's, that's all the brain is, that's what the consciousness is, it's just electricity. That's it and it's, it's just a matter of, you know, when it's been shown that, any significant traumatic event traumatic is defined by any event to an individual that in, that individual defines as life altering you know trauma to me may be something different than trauma to you but whatever that trauma right. is it causes a physical rewiring of the brain the way that it that for whatever reason from synapse to synapse when you had that particular thought or, or moment it's been rewired and now the brain is a fantastic thing. Um, it's the brain is not, in fact, hardwired per se. The brain is, you know, an evolving thing. Um, yeah, there are trends that most people's frontal lobe act the same way. Most people's cerebral cortex acts the same way. But time and time again, studies and, and real world experience have shown people born with parts of their brain missing or people who have had parts of their brains that are normally associated with certain actions and the brain's able to actually re rewire itself. Um, so the brain is an amazing tool. 
and, and it, but but it goes back down to what you just said. It's it's just a matter of ele- you know chemical and and biological electrical uh, impulses, and right. if you can rewire it to, to a position where you're more comfortable uh, without losing, you know your <laughs> your frontal lobe senses uh, of personality. I am absolutely uh, encouraged. One of the things that they gave to me and the dosage they gave me one of the drugs um you know you hear all the time people saying well man it just made me turn into a zombie and and i never understood what that meant until i was on it i, I wasn't happy i wasn't sad um right it, it, you, you were numb i was just numb it just it just going going through the motions doesn't even explain it well um right and and again thankfully i, I give prayers of thanks that uh for whatever reason I was able to come out of that and able to start interacting more with people. Uh, right. And, and a lot of people, I think, will try to say that it does do its job. And I guess, in a sense, it does. It, you know, it kind of makes the bad go away, you know, in a sense. But it, it also removes the good. And, you know, nobody can live like that. No one can live without feeling. You know it, what I mean? It's, it's a challenge. Um, it, it really is. It's, I've, I've, I've known people who have had traumatic brain injury personally um, that affected their frontal cortex. Their, I mean, their their frontal lobe. And yeah. having talked with them, I worked with a friend of mine. I think I've mentioned him to you, maybe offline. A friend up in Chicago area. Uh, we worked in. Uh, I worked with him with the Special Olympics, and right. there was a lot of uh, veteran veterans. Uh, participating with TBI and and other injuries, traumatic brain injury, TBI for those who right. don't know, um, and a lot of those suffered from, like I said, uh, frontal lobe injuries, and all of the ones that were still cognizant and could have a conversation with me, um, they all freely admitted that they know their personality has changed, they remember what they've lost, um, but thank God because again this was a unique bunch of guys and gals special olympics they're just not you know guys on the street these are all highly motivated individuals and it was encouraging uh again it goes back to the brain is a wonderful thing and if we, if we can find any resource that will help the, that individual uh just like what you said without without endangering any more those parts of them that make them unique um and, and especially when you talk about mdma and folks with ptsd Usually, uh, those are folks who are still in control of their faculties, if you will. You know, they're not, right. they're still generally able to make decisions for themselves and not have to have somebody else make it for them. And that's the right. danger is when somebody else is making the decision, when is enough enough? Uh, and that I can't talk to. But as far as, just like you said, I'm, I've, I've used electroshock therapy. Uh, but just not for my brain. I've used it for uh, rehab for, and, and it's been used. They call it TINS, uh, and I forget what TINS stands for. It's some technical word that, basically, you know, putting electrodes to your muscles and firing your muscles. Uh, right. And, you know, those have been out on the market for years and years and years. Uh, that's electroshock therapy. Uh, right. It, it just and, and the brain is a muscle. So why wouldn't electroshock therapy work on the brain just like it works on any other muscle? Um, right. But, but just like the same way, if you strap someone into an electric chair, boy, that's some serious electroshock therapy. Uh, For real. <laughs> the muscles get one hell of a workout. Um, 
No, it's just speaking speaking on MDMA, and you were talking about at what point is um, allowing people to regulate what the individual does. At what point is enough enough, and you know, right. at point what is it too much? And we we had brought up the war on drugs, right. okay. And I think this war on drugs has most certainly inhibited a lot of progress as far as looking into mental illness and stuff. Um, you know, like stuff like that goes Absolutely. and. Honestly, like doing my research and looking back into it, it is, you know, it's, it's been, I would honestly say the war on drugs is responsible for most of our issues here in America now. In, you know, anywhere from, you know, the, the, the racial issues, the immigration, uh, the issue with Mexico and all the cartels, um, you, you could probably speak on that, um, mental illness, pr- pretty much just our war on drugs has been, you know, the, the, the calls for all of our issues or not all but most of our is- a lot of our issues and I was a uh, I just I just heard about this story about a, a guy named Charles Inez have you ever heard of Charles Inez either of y'all uh, no too many bells are ringing that I think it's just the tinnitus <laughs> I can't say I've heard of him either to be honest okay so this guy uh, this guy named Charles Inez what happened was Basically, he took a shit ton of uh, PCP and gouged his eyes out. Okay. Okay. He is used as like the poster boy for you know why you don't do drugs. You know drugs are bad. Okay. This is this is why, and they point out Charles Inez exactly. because he he went crazy and scratched his eyes out. The um, madness of the fifties. Right. But that's not the whole story. What actually happened was, is this guy was being set up, you know, by, by a narc. <laughs> he was, um, he was being set up, and he was wanting to buy. I think, I think it was weed. He was wanting to buy some weed, and this guy said, "Yeah, sure, I'll sell you some." Uh, you know, the the informant, the 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 agent. He said, "Sure, I'll sell you some. Um, just bring a little coke, you know, to you know prove that you're on the up and up, you know, yeah. prove that you're cool." So he gets there, and he doesn't ever pull the coke out, but he, you know, has a look at the weed and says, "Nah, never mind. I don't actually want it," and gives it back and leaves. Well, they they arrest him, and then they search him, and they find the coke. They find the coke on him. Okay. He gets taken to jail because they searched him. He's like, "Well, look, okay, you told me to bring that. Yeah. You, you you pestered me about it." And then, you know, he, he was in trouble, and I think they ended up releasing him, and he went home, and then there was um, there was another informant that said, hey, you doing okay? He said, no, man, not really. I'm, you know, like he's, he's having trouble talking about, he said, I'm about to get taken to jail for some, you know, this shit, you know, talking about I had this coke in my pocket. And this guy, this guy that he had gotten in contact with, another informant, says, dude, okay, I've got this stuff that could probably help you out, okay? It's, it's, um... And what it was, it was PCP. It was like this canister of PCP. And he gave it to him. An hour later, people come up and arrest him. So, or uh, they, they come knock on his door. And they come in and they arrest him. Um, so before they could arrest him, he takes the canister and he downs all of it. Yeah. So this guy, they got framed essentially twice. Got set up twice in a row. I mean, I'd imagine that would... That, that would have an effect on someone, and then you take a shit ton of PCP. Yeah, it you is, know? yeah. And again, something I've never tried, but folks I know have, and everything I've read, PCP is not your user-friendly drug. 
I mean, I, I definitely do think that a lot of drugs could have some uses. Um, and I definitely think we should decriminalize it. Maybe not recreationalize a lot of things, but certainly decriminalize a lot of things. And it, and it goes, uh, that all goes back in my mind to something that we've lost the sense of is individual responsibility. I've totally believed right. that along the lines of what you're saying, when alcohol was prohibited here in America versus today, I'm still going to drink whatever I want to drink. The, the, the sense that, well, we're, we're going to say that this much is legal, but anything more is illegal. But, you know, if I go out and drink every day till I'm passed out drunk, I ain't going to live too long. Cirrhosis of the liver, I'm going to get to, you know, murder, right. death, car wreck, whatever. Um, right. It's a poison is what it is. Exactly. But... And so to, 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 to allow one poison and not another poison, and again, I understand regulation and do I want you right. know, people walking the streets who are tripping on heroin? Well, it goes back to individual responsibility. If you're, if you're, it's the Henry David Thoreau theory of you do whatever you want up until the point that you poke me in the eye. Uh, right. You know, once your fist hits my nose, that's a whole other issue. But up until that point, buddy, you want to OD on heroin, have at it. If you hurt right. somebody, we're going to have another discussion. And I don't care what drug you were on, whether you were on drugs or you were straight. I don't care. We're going to have another kind of discussion. Right, and the, and the same the same kind of thing with alcohol or any other Absolutely. any other thing that alters your brain chemistry. You know, it's it, like you said, it's odd to regulate. You know, like to criminalize one and to not criminalize another. And I, I think it's I think it comes down to individual responsibility to know what you know what your limit is with these things and how to do it responsibly. But another thing too is there's so much misinformation about drugs. Yes, absolutely. People need to be educated properly on what their effects are, what would be the proper dosage, you know, this, that. Yep. And I think that would stop, you know, that would stop a lot of um, abuse. Absolutely. If, if hey, if, if I knew that, and, and again, I'm, I refuse to confirm or deny any of these allegations. Say I decide I want to do some uh, mushrooms because I heard that kind of helps with PTSD. Now, I'm going to go off, go, you know, either I know somebody who's got a, a cow field and I can go pick them myself, or I'm going to, you know, buy some off the street somewhere. Um, and, you know, gee, how many caps do I eat? Do I eat one? Do I eat two? Do I eat? Well, the psilocybin that they're using currently to experiment with on, on folks with PTSD and, and other mental disorders, um, they're able, just like you said, they're able to regulate the dosage to, okay, here's five milligrams, here's 10 milligrams. And, and to use the vernacular, I don't necessarily, at, at pushing 60 years old, I don't want to trip balls anymore, man. I'm too old for that shit. I just <laughs> want a nice, even keel brain that, that I'm not overwhelming myself and just kind of have a nice day. Um, and if, if, just like to your point, if I knew that, hey, the dosage says five to 10 milligrams, you know, just like with aspirin, I know not to take 37,000 milligrams because there goes my kidneys. Um, exactly. Because they've moderated it and regulated it for me. I know how many milligrams I can take. And, and I think you're, ex I think that's nail on the head there, brother. Right. That. And, and I mean, like, it's it's still your personal choice. If you so yeah. decide you want to take, say, 40,000 milligrams of, you know, that's whatever it. drug, you know, that's, I mean, it's your choice. That's correct. 
but you you know what is safe. That's you know, you're correct. given information. Because I mean, all the all the prescription bottles have all the information. Say, you know, take with food or water. Take this many times That's daily. It. Don't you know? And they they tell you, you know, it, why it, couldn't it, you do that with um, criminalized drugs as well? That's correct. That's it. And it's you know, and it, and then it you know, and it, it's be, because in some in some instances, um, a lot of that stuff again, like like back to my point earlier about when they do use it, they hide it in plain sight. Uh, and you mentioned PCP. Well, hell, PCP was available for anybody who owned horses back in the day. You can go to a vet and say, hey, you don't even have to show them the horse. You didn't, there's no such thing as a horse license. Um, you go to right. the vet and say, hey, I got horses. I need to get some tranquilizers because I'm going to be shooing them and de-shooing them. And they, they you know, you talk right. to the vet and he gives you a prescription for PCP. Um, <laughs> shit. Uh, you know, so... It, it was hidden there in plain sight for years and years and years, and and just like with the the whole meth uh, addiction with uh, uh, what's the main the oh, crap I can't remember it's the e word um, epinephrine not epinephrine but uh, anyways what one of them yeah. words that uh, again it was something that you could buy at the pharmacy as a nasal decongestant and it. it it wasn't even a prescription. You just had to ask the pharmacist for it. Uh, I think I think you are thinking epinephrine. It's like a like a form of adrenaline. Like is a that, okay, then it, maybe that was. I, I remember being in college. Um, I'm sorry, it wasn't me. Of course, it was just people I knew. Uh, being in college and being able to go to the drugstore and ask the pharmacist. You know, I need blah 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 blah, and here's your bottle of it. And Wow, cool. Well, you can't buy that shit anymore over the counter. They figured out that's what a lot of folks are using to make meth. I'd right. like to tell you a funny thing that's happened recently in the UK alluding to that subject. Um, recently, we have found out that the one of the leading supermarket chains here in the UK has made it so you have to go to the pharmacy to get poppy seeds. Because oh, oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Because yeah. apparently, too many people, or supposedly, too many people are going to this supermarket, getting poppy seeds off the counter, grinding them up, and using them to make. Just... It's so stupid, but it's uh... ingenuity, man. I mean, it's the same thing as being a little kid, like finding out that Germex got fucking alcohol in it. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, I, I was an adult when that I remember when that happened here in little little town, East Texas. That was an issue on the college campus that college students were drinking freaking Germex. Uh, yeah, it's like, what are, you know, Tide Pods, you name it, man. <laughs> right. I mean, it. you know, if there's a will, there's a way. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, pe people are if they want to do something, they're going to find a way to do it. You know? That's it. That's it. Whether it's viable or not, um, you know. So it. So. So to make it taboo, you know, is it? And that that goes to the conspiracy side of my brain, uh, which says anytime something is made taboo, it's made taboo for a reason. It's not just arbitrarily taboo. It's, you think so? And and I do believe that generally taboos are made in an attempt to help further a society. Now, I'm being very optimistic and 
and I'm thinking the best of humankind right now. Um, right. I, I think that I think that taboos though can also be you know that you know it's it's just like a tool like say government you know it can be used for great good great evil and yeah. I definitely think that a, a taboo place that seems basically arbitrarily placed probably had a reason you yeah. know and that's and that's I agree I, and I, and and whether it was a just or sound reason or not um, and and so that's where and, and absolutely there are taboos that are self-serving um, but but again in the, in the G everybody is well and everybody means well which I don't believe but in that world um, you know it, it, I get the difference between me as an individual and me as a part of a society um, I get a society and, and what a society needs in its most basic form to remain a society if you and I and Josh could not speak the same language and we couldn't if there's no way we can communicate there's no way we can have a society together I, I believe right that. we have to have some common agreement right and, and that's what taboos help us do that you know in my culture you know I can cop a squat I can go take a dump in public in your culture yeah not so much so you got to come to an agreement and over time oftentimes certain things become a taboo um, right. Because we forget why we don't do it. We just know that we don't do it. Right. And really, honestly, though, that's all uh, that's all good and evil is. You know, it's just pretty much it's it's an agreement that this is cool and this is not cool. And, you know, and I think I agree with that wholeheartedly in the sense. And I've mentioned this to you before in the lowercase good and evil. Uh, right. I, I believe that that that's. Right, we're not talking about capital G good and capital E evil. We're correct. Not nothing spiritual. We're just talking, you know. Right, we're we're talking uh, we're talking lower level good and evil here. Just generalizing. That's it. That's it. And and so that's where I, I look at taboos along the same lines as as traditions. They're they're not inherently good or evil by themselves. It really right. goes to what they stand for. Right, and like. I, like you were saying, traditions can be good, but if a tradition proves itself obsolete, you need to phase it out. Yeah. Otherwise, though, if it's not causing any harm, it's just something we've always done because we've always done it, you know. Right. Um, maybe you don't remember why we do it now. Maybe there's a reason for it, but if it's not causing any harm, sure, keep your tradition. But if it's proven to be counter to progress, to, you know, this, this, this idea of us, you know, evolving higher right. get rid of it because it's just holding us back it's it. I, I watched a good show on uh the amish here just recently and yeah. the amish have come a long ways in in their use of technology in, in all seriousness um it's uh they you the the elder that they were talking to in this special he you know he was talking about it and showing uh, the film crew, you know, he talked about, yeah, when we, you know, when we go to sell our stuff to market and things like that, we have to use public transportation. So we're not stupid. We, we know that we have to interact with society, but we do so at such a minimalist level. So as right. we know we're going to be affected by technology in modern times, but we try to minimize it and we do so right. by, and that's where he listed, you know, we ride horse and buggy locally. It forces us to slow down. They've got computers. They do use computers now, but the computers that they use, they're not 
store-bought and stripped down. They're actually built from the floor up specifically for them. There's no games. There's no nothing. It's just it's and there's no internet. It's straight. Right. It's it's just it's just a tool to it's, to it's, to it's conduct modern, business. Exactly. It's not entertainment. It's a modern typewriter, and that's what on right. his on the one he had in his office. It's, it specifically said classic typewriter, classic word processor. Um, that's awesome actually and, that's actually very cool it, and he had a flip phone he says and cell phones absolutely he pulled out his flip phone he said and it's only for calls it's it's because that's because we have to sell our wares now we ha we have to be able to feed ourselves um right so so i think that does speak to it's okay to use technology we don't have to be afraid of technology but the overuse and but it, it's it's almost like a drug. Absolutely. It's almost like a drug. Absolutely. Technology is a drug. I mean, I mean, you know, you see people that are walking around just texting on their phone, and yeah. they'll run into people in the supermarket. You know, you, you can't tell me that that's not literally, or maybe not exactly, but that's pretty fucking close to the same effect as being baked off your ass and walking around, right? I I would argue that, and I I don't have them in front of me, but I have I have read some reports where. The, the word exactly, and I, I hate using that word. I catch myself using it often, but exactly almost does apply in this case that the actual the effects of the serotonin and other chemical reactions that are happening in the brain are the same. They are right. literally the same. The endorphins, the the synapse firing. So yeah, you're right. They are they are physically rewiring their brain. Uh, and that gets into a whole other topic that I that we'll talk about at some point uh, about it's something we talked about before is the social engineering, uh, social media, and those type of things. But uh, but absolutely, it, it's so it, it goes to that end of let's use those resources that are out there. Let's let's not be afraid of them. Let's not be afraid of the taboo. Let's understand the taboo. Um, I I get right. it. You know, I get the. I've, I've looked at the history of the war on drugs, and you talk about, you know, in the 20s and 30s, and when they demonized uh, African Americans and marijuana. How, it, you know, the African Americans were going into Louisiana and raping white women because of the marijuana. So, right. Uh, you know that that's that no no justification for that whatsoever. No, that's and but it's that that's stayed with the whole concept of the war on drugs is that there's evil evilness around the drugs no matter how you look at them it, and I, right. I that's been the biggest disservice uh that like to your point earlier I, I don't know that it's the cause of all the problems but it certainly has fed right into those problems uh, right and it, it doesn't it doesn't help that drugs i mean yes they do have good uses but they also have bad effects i mean and it doesn't help that they have bad effects because you do if you spread misinformation saying like you know it causes people to go into the fucking louisiana and you know rape white women and shit yeah. like that or or like um, how crack was misinformed and stuff yeah. like that yep it, when you spread misinformation about something and it already does do bad stuff it does have bad effects right. but when you say it's worse than it actually is it's even harder to prove otherwise because it's like well it does do bad stuff well, yes it does do bad stuff but it's not as bad as people are saying that's you know it. what i mean that's it and, and then and then there are those people that just that argument right there is oh so you're admitting it's bad <laughs> you're you're it, it, it 
that's that danger of, of, of mincing words when you're, you know, people that are trying to, to play get you politics versus let's have an open discussion. Uh, right, but everything, everything honestly is good in moderation, though. Okay, like yep. let's say you yep. have, uh, let's say you have weight issues. You smoke weed, right? Um, that shit gives you the munchies. You know, it, it stimulates your appetite. So if you're overweight and you smoke weed and you eat more, it's a problem, right? But let's suppose you're anorexic. There you go. Right. It it, it all depends on the situation. Okay. You yep. you use an effect to its fullest. Okay. If something has um. You know, if something has like a euphoric effect, makes you stupidly happy. Maybe, maybe it makes you um, maybe makes you lazy, but it makes you happy. Okay, if something makes you happy, give that to someone who's depressed. Give it to someone who's got you know PTSD. You know, it because because it can help. You know, it, it's just another resource to help someone. Right. And it put put a put a warning label on the bottle when you sell it at the supermarket be like this causes drowsiness you know don't drive and take this right i mean i mean who knew you don't put super glue in your hair as a you know hair conditioner um for real <laughs> what could prevent me from grabbing that can of raid under the sink and huffing down the whole can of raid it does there's nowhere on the can that says do not huff down the entire can of raid I know it does well, say about don't don't get into your eyes, don't get to your mouth, but it doesn't say don't spray it directly into my throat. Right. Well, with that one, you know, a lot of people would argue that that you know, like 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 the saying, uh, it says rat poison, not human poison. <laughs> there you What's go. like? It says poison. Yeah. What? Okay. If you don't know what's in it, and it says poison. Stay away from it. There, you know, individual responsibility. What a concept. Uh, right. And 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 by you know the the fact that I I do I do have enough God given sense. Thank God because I know it, I didn't get it from myself. But when I do spray the can of raid, now that I'm older, I do get that. Yeah, maybe I do want to open some windows or you know not breathe it in indirect you know directly in. Uh, right, and, and the same goes with aspirin, and in my mind, the same would go with MDMA. It, it's I'm not trying to abuse a thing. If if I'm trying to abuse it, it doesn't matter what's legal or not legal. Like you said before, if you right. want it, you're going to find a way to get it. But if but if you want to use it to help, then why not make it available in in a form that it can be used to help. And especially right. when it's already available, like I go back to saying, a lot of these, uh, you know, that are currently being used, cocaine, morphine. Uh, well, I mean, when you taboo something, when you when you make something forbidden, I mean, perfect example, prohibition, right? Yeah. You 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 give power to the criminal underworld. It allows it to organize and to fill a demand. Okay, these you know the government saying no, you can't have it. So the criminals come in and says, hey, you know how they said no. Well, we got you covered, and, and it, it gives power. It creates a demand from the criminals. So when you take that demand away, um, it's not gonna it's not gonna automatically get rid of say you know smuggling rings and shit like that, but it will weaken them. It will absolutely weaken them, and it and that's that's been proven historically time and time again. No matter what the item being prohibited, whether it was weapons in feudal japan that led to the concept of the samurai and martial arts because if you don't have any weapons all you have left is to fight with your hands and feet and right. 
all of a sudden, boof, now you've got martial arts being formed. Um, you know, it's, it's things out of necessity that, that are going to be born. And, right. and so, yeah, that, that, you know, like back to your point, the prohibition, I, I, alcohol was still out there. Uh, it was just people who today were a law-abiding citizen, all of a sudden by the stroke of a pen, were criminals. Very, very exactly. similar to like what happened in New York when the governor decided to ban magazines of 10 rounds or more. You had to bring them in or you're a criminal. And it's right. And I know there was more to it to the law. The, there's going to be fact finders that are going to go out there and say, no, Jeff, that's completely wrong. That's not what he did. I, I, I get it. But but that's yeah. the, that's the, the blanket statement of what he did is he basically said you can't have magazines if you if you do. It's got to be no closer than 10 feet to the weapon that it fits. In other words, you can't put it in the weapon and it has to stay. If you owned it before the law, it has to stay in your home. If you want to turn it in, you can turn it in. Otherwise, transporting it is a felony offense. And so it's like so it's it's like the old tax laws with marijuana. They didn't make marijuana illegal initially. They made right. it a you had to have a tax stamp. It was illegal to carry it without a tax stamp, but you had to right. carry it to the place to get the tax stamp. So it's like, wait a minute, I see what you're doing there. Uh, you know, it's messed up, and they try to catch you with some of the the wording on the legislation. But that that's it. There, there was a sting operation uh, years ago in Florida that I thought, from a law enforcement perspective, I thought was cool as hell. Um, sucked to be those criminals. It was a, it was some pretty heavy criminals out there uh, that had a bunch of bench warrants out there and, and outstanding warrants. And so they got a list and they sent them all this, uh, uh, hey, you want a free cruise? All you got to do is come and sign up and you'll walk home. You, you'll walk out with a TV and a free cruise. And right. it, it was the law enforcement and they sent all these invites out to all these offenders and sure as hell, in one day, they ended up arresting like 150 of these offenders who came in thinking they won the lottery. And they're like, oh, yeah, just come on in. Is this where I cash in my lottery? I get my TV? Yeah, just come on in. Just go through that door right there. And on the other side of the door was all the law enforcement. Uh, Is that even legal? Because that, that sounds like messed up, honestly. Yeah, I, mean, I was literally just thinking, yeah. Like, it, I thought it was ingenious. Um, it's it's it genius, brilliant. but it's yeah. it's shady as fuck. <laughs> well, they, didn't, they didn't force those offenders to break any laws. Right. It's not like entrapment, like the other example you use, where it's like, yeah, I'll sell you drugs, but you need to bring drugs on you in order yeah. to do it. That's entrapment. That's setting up the guy. But right from a, and again, and that's why I said I, I prefaced it with from a law enforcement standpoint. Now as, right. as a, from a criminal standpoint, that's fucking shady. That sucks. <laughs> that's like, yeah, yeah. God dang it. Uh, but, but I, you know, again, and I am a, I am a dick. Uh, I do laugh at the misfortunes of others. Um, I mean, I do too. But you got to make light of you. You got to make light of misfortune. You, you, you got to laugh at dark shit. And, you know, that's the whole I mean, point of comedy. I, I thought that from a law enforcement perspective, like I say, I, I think that was ingenious. Um, it is genius. It's just I would hate to have it happen to me. <laughs> and then they show it on national TV, so they're the rest of your life. It's like ah, you're that guy. I suppose at the end of the day, it boils down to your morals when you look at something like that. If you feel like that's 
something that, you know, that's a trick, that's not right, they shouldn't have done that, you know. But on the other hand, with your view, it's like, oh, that's really smart, you know, that's, that's, um, so, that's brilliant, they've got the evidence there already, they know who they're looking for, and they've got this scheme in place which is going to lock them down and get them for good. It's brilliant. It is, it is brilliant. It is brilliant. Uh, it, like I said, it's one of those things that I would hate to have happen to me, but it's, um, it's, you know the saying, all is fair in love and war, right? Right. That's right. That's, you know, when the cops bring you in to interrogate you, uh, they don't have to tell you the truth. That's, you know, one of the big misconceptions. Cops uh, under interrogation can tell you anything in order to get you right. to confess. Um, right. And that, that's been proven time and time again in court whether it's right or not whether it's moral or not that that's a whole other discussion now i had heard that some people can um some people can can file suit over a, you know a cop attempting to um to to lie because i i think like how you how you mentioned with the the guy bringing coke to the 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 you know the drug right. uh right. the drug trade um it's uh, it's a form of entrapment. It's like, hey, look, dude, we have you on video surveillance, you know, and they may not, but in some cases, it's it can be a form of entrapment, at least in my opinion. What you know, what do you think about that? I, I would totally agree with that, and that's where it goes back to what you said. That's where that's where our court of law comes in, and that's why it's so important for us to remain a nation of laws and not men. Um, Entrapment absolutely does exist, absolutely happens. There, are, There's good and bad people everywhere, doesn't matter what your profession is. And entrapment, like what, what the, you know, wh whether you agree with drug laws or not, when a, when a law enforcement officer convinces a civilian to break a law, in my mind, that's clear-cut entrapment. Right. If a, if a cop observes a civilian break the law, then it's the cop's duty to well, yeah. apprehend that civilian. And as a civilian, ideally, it should be, you know, the old cop show. I remember there's some guy getting caught, busted, some, you know, drunk without a shirt on kind of deal. And he's happy as hell with the cops. He's like, oh, I'm square with you guys. It's my job to break the law and your job to catch me. And you just doing your job. <laughs> I'm okay with you guys. And, you know, it, I, I, I could kind of respect that. I didn't like the guy, but, you know, I can respect that. Uh, right. And and so, so, but, but you know, so, yeah, absolutely entrapment exists. But but from that other side of it, then, uh, no, nah, it's, you know. And it's just, a lot of these things that we talk about here, it's, I feel like a lot of them could be worked out. I, you know, I don't have the answers. Someone might be able to find them, though, with, you know, and, you know, talking about them, you know, somebody will be able to, you know, figure out the issue. Hopefully, you know what I mean? Um, and, and at least keep the discussion going and rolling, not fixate on right the individual events. Right, and, and you know, and, and don't let yourself get tangled up in the idea, you know. Be, be as objective as possible. You know, check your ego at the door. And, um... And speaking of that, <laughs> speaking of check your ego at the door, you and I had made plans, or were, were attempting to make plans. Right. Right. And I guess, I don't know, how much how much do you want to talk about on air? Um, 
I, I wouldn't mind kind of throwing out the idea. Okay. Uh, uh, do you want to, you want to do that or me? Go, go ahead, and, and I'll jump in. So, pretty much essentially, um, the the idea that I had is I wanted to have some sort of, um, I guess, an event. Um, I, I don't I don't know exactly the word for it, but I wanted to have a lot of people come into a place. You know, obviously be COVID conscious, but have um have some people all come together and try to sit down and you know civilly discuss things you know check your ego at the door be willing to accept that you could be wrong or that you are right but come in completely open-minded and ready to discuss something and i want not just not just you know three people like how we're having a call right here but 50 100 200 people and i want to see if more people more you know more eyes ears and brains focusing on something if we could potentially get something figured out or at least some eyes open and what what it's what we kind of talked about and and there's no that we're not married to any one idea but it's something along the lines of a you know maybe a, it's an open discussion forum maybe a round table discussion kind of thing and right uh, just just uh, just to let people be heard and let you know, let ideas be discussed without being shouted down. Uh, right. Uh, w- without being, you know, the the one one of the things is you, you don't get a you don't get to try to prove why I'm wrong. That's not what this is for. This is to you know allow ideas and, and opinions to come out with with some specific topics in mind to to provide a, a solution or at least some some insight, some open, honest insight from all angles uh right almost like a convention kind of a thing right a convention that that's the word i was trying to say convention (laughs) i I hesitate to use that because again that's one of those words that us old farts kind of have a a preconceived notion of of what a convention is uh right and but absolutely that's kind of along those lines um and, and Josh, one of the things we'd thrown out there that although this is be, you know, a, a physical gathering, but but look at, you know, maybe some streaming and other options as well. So we can open up the forum to more than just who can locally attend. But. Yeah, I'm sure there'd be some uh, I'm sure there'd be some technical things that could happen uh, along those lines. Uh, Josh, do you think that you and Joel might be able to help me out with that? Yeah, I mean, uh... I don't know how much you'd be able to do from, you know, across the big pond, but... <laughs> uh, you might be able to fig- figure something out. You know, it, this this is this is tech stuff. This is yeah. stuff that I, yeah. and, you and, and him would... timeline, Josh, just to, you know, we're, we're not talking about tomorrow or next week. You know, yeah, we're, yeah, our, yeah. we're towards the fall sometime. Uh, so it gives us a little bit of time to kind of digest and, and figure out like with you, you know, how, how do the logistics of it to make it work? Right. Yeah, no, I'm sure we can, uh, come up with something. Uh, we could, uh, sit down and brainstorm some, uh, ideas of how, uh, I, me and, uh, Joel could technically, uh, help out there. Yeah. That, that'll be awesome. Cool. So, cool. so the things we would be discussing at this, uh, we went over six, six, 
I think we I think we said six questions is what we want. Like six main topics, right. Kind of, right. right. Topics that we would discuss. Uh and and what and I'm trying to read my notes here. I I wrote down we we'd look at, you know, good versus evil, uh right. cancel culture. Kind of, sort of, almost in my mind, taking a topic of each of these podcasts or along the same lines and and exploring each one through, you know, through this event. Right. And I think, like, now that we've had this talk about this pretty extensive talk into the war on drugs, I wonder then if, um, if that should be one of the topics we talk about is war on drugs. You know, that, um, I think that would be another good one too, because and, and what I like is a lot of these these, these will not all of them, but some of them will flow into each other as well, which is the idea, you know. Let's show how things are interconnected and affect each other. Right, and I think you know the thing that goes hand in hand with war on drugs. I think the thing we should talk about is mental health. There you go. What, what do you what do you how do you feel about that? I'm I'm good with that basically is as, as the same topic almost right uh, right like I said they, they go hand in hand they are separate issues but they're pretty fairly intertwined so uh, we could make distinctions and we can talk about how they you know they they tie together you know what I mean and that's and that's up to the to the group again we're, we're the division I have and it can be completely different but it, you know these round tables and each each round table group picks a topic and then they go through however long and at the end they come up with a consensus draft paper and they don't even have to agree with each other and that can be what the paper says you know is we don't agree with each other here's what we agree with here's what we don't agree with uh right and and, and so yeah absolutely war on drugs mental health uh okay we, we josh yeah josh what do you it's like you said we've we've spoken about a good broad range of topics so far with the episodes that we've done together and we can probably take those to this event and um expand on them there yeah what would uh, what, what would be one that you think we should expand on more other than well we've got four written down we've got cancel culture good versus evil war on drugs mental health i mean what what's one that you think we should go into more um other than what I've just listed, do, do aliens, aliens, <laughs> aliens, extraterrestrials. I'm, I'm screwing around. Sorry. No, I'm. I mean, that's that. I mean, we could do that. Hey, you know. It's, and 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 you know, these are just some topics and ideas that we can throw out there. And again, part of part, that could be part of it is you know, it's it's the first day is is the final agreement. Here's what we threw out there, and how many of you want to do this? How many of you want to do that? Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, extraterrestrials is definitely it's definitely something to be talked about because, well, I mean, there's got to be extraterrestrials of some kind, right? Uh, it doesn't gotta be. There more well, that, than likely is and isn't, but there doesn't gotta be. There's your topic then. Let's not make it about UFOs and extraterrestrials more of the recent space programs and you know the mars landing that we've just done and things like that you know right and the science that we could learn from that hmm 
All right, we could yeah. do that. Yeah. We'll, we'll we'll polish it and refine it as I we go along. But I, as much as I'm a skeptic, I do love talking about it. Uh, <laughs> but the, but but the, and there is that's again one of the issues goes to that is uh, X Files did a great job of showing the confiscation that the government goes to to try to hide what it is they're doing. They created right. fake aliens for Fox and Scully so they could chase the fake aliens so they wouldn't find the real aliens that they already knew. I mean, it's, it's like confiscation all over the place. Uh, right, and we, we can go into an insane rabbit hole on all those conspiracies exactly, about that exactly. too. Exactly, and so that's where I think, Josh, having, having it more of a science-based, yeah, if you want to talk aliens, but you got to do it from a science perspective, not yeah. from a right. sucralose perspective. See, and see, here's... here's um. Here's the real issue with like looking at other planets and shit with the technology that we have now, because we can't break the light barrier. You know, we can't get past the speed of light. That's Currently, right. that's that's you know that's what dictates that's the speed how fast everything is. That's it's it's our speed limit. That's right. And the problem with that is is looking to other planets that are millions of light years away, you're going to be seeing what they looked like, you know, that many years ago what did they say if there's a if there's a civilization on a planet uh yeah just 16 what was it 16 light years or whatever away from us and they're looking at earth they're looking at dinosaurs no it's not uh it's not 16 light years because if it were 16 light years that means um it takes 16 years for it to get there I, i misspoke the distance but 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 you get the idea that you know, any significant distance that we're looking, we're, we're not looking at now, we're looking at then. Right. Just, and the same with the signals now, you know, they're, the way they're determining all these planets mainly is by determining the dimness of the sun, as of the star, as the planet passes in front of the star. Uh, right. And so, yeah, at, at that point, that's... There was there was something that I had actually um, looked at a while back. They were talking about extraterrestrials. We have these sort of cultural things as humans and as all our societies that we we all understand. Okay, if you if you raise your hand up to your mouth and you you make like a biting gesture, right. you're, you're saying you're hungry. You know, if you're holding your stomach, you're saying your stomach hurts. If you're holding your head, you're saying your head hurts. Yeah. There are things that we pretty much understand across all societies. You know. And, you know, they, they mean something to us, you know? Yep. But alien life could be completely fucking different to what we are now. And, you know, who's to say that we haven't been communicating with them this whole time, you know? And just what has significance to them and what has meaning to them could be completely and utterly nonsensical to us, you know what I mean? It's like a like an atheist viewing religion, you know. It's like religion makes sense to some people, but atheists look at it and they're like, um, yeah. "No, this is all retarded," yeah, you know. What a weakness! What a waste of time! Uh, right. A weakness of character. Right. I just, I just like the idea of the simplified version of of that argument. It's saying our bleep could be their bloop, but their bloop means. Uh, something, you know, your mother or something like that. You just <laughs> right, and I, I mean, you you see you see disconnects like that across our languages and our cultures. You know, um, 
some gestures are profane in one society, whereas you go to another place and you hold up the middle finger, they're like, hell yeah, dude, you have a good day too. That's it. That's it. The, the old, the old okay sign, you know, your, your finger in an O position. Okay. Uh, white power. Careful there. Yeah. yeah that's white <laughs> power apparently. But in Egypt, that's the evil eye. Um, and that's, that's worse than shooting the finger. When I spent time in Egypt, uh, befriended a waiter and he was kind enough to <laughs> give me all the bad words and slang and gestures and stuff. Uh, that's awesome. Okay. Like it, it, it really was. And that's what he said. One of the funniest insults that he said he never understood was motherfucker. He said, that's a compliment. I mean, what, what, how is motherfucker in any language? How is that an insult? I, I he, he just completely, it baffled him. Uh, what was his reasoning? Like, why, why did it baffle him? Did he ever explain? Well, I mean, what? Hey, hey, man, you fuck girls. Oh, ooh, quit insulting me. <laughs> you know, I mean, that was his reasoning. What? What's insulting about that's, calling somebody a motherfucker? You're, that's, you're saying that's they like fuck so. women, and in Egypt, where homosexuality is illegal, why wouldn't you say, "Hey, you fuck women"? That's thank you very much. You do too. Um, right. Uh, it, it kind of reminds me of a joke that I heard someone say. They were like, "Ha ha, your parents love you." Like, <laughs> what? <laughs> Stop it! Uh, Stop it! They do not. They hate me. Yeah. They're like, "No, uh, my mom tried to abort me." You don't know, dude. <laughs> so, so it does. It, it speaks to that point that we 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 don't know what we don't know, and I think that's part of the fear of the whole alien thing is it it's it, in in military back in my r&d days uh they had some really cool ways to say things like there, there are known knowns things you know you know uh right what, you know and those are very technical things it could be enemy air defense capabilities troop strengths uh weapon speed velocity those are known knowns right there's um there's there's known knowns and then there are known unknowns there are known unknowns there's also unknown knowns it, the danger is the unknown unknowns yeah and, the and things it, that we don't even know that we don't know that's correct and, it, and it's it's an oversimplified way i i believe of saying something that's very very complex but again right. very base in our nature which is that that's what scares us the most is is that what we don't know and right. there are those nefarious forces who will use that knowledge to to guide us one way or the other to steer the herd if you will um right and see and that's that's honestly now that i'm thinking about it that's such like a 5d chess kind of like weird thing that like concept to think about it's like yeah you can think about the stuff that you don't know but how do you like how do you even begin to ponder something that you don't know that's that it. you don't know that's it that, and it is that's i mean i i spent many hours in military studies uh b believe it or not it's it's not just a bunch of dumb guys running through the woods shooting guns uh they make us actually <laughs> think every once in a while and, and and there's a lot of hours spent on it on exactly that is it, and it goes back to something you said early on josh or, or uh, luke when we first met is knowing what questions to ask and that's a very difficult thing it sounds very easy but that's a very difficult thing to master is asking right. the right questions uh and that's, 
that's where it becomes imperative as a training tool uh, to teach yourself that because because you'll never know an unknown unknown. I suppose at the end of the day you could boil that down to there is no dumb question when you're looking at an unknown unknown. Correct. At, at, at the, at, that's exactly right. Right. Because I mean you've got you've got to raise all the questions because you know we can't even begin to understand what we don't know that we don't know so you've got to ask all the questions because it's completely uncharted territory that's right it. that's it you, you ask you ask every question that you can possibly think of and and, and you know of course goes to a joke in, in my training and, and studies and instruction that was one of the things I'd always explain to the students and I'd go into in-depth in discussion about how there is no stupid question uh, and, and talk about that and then I'd say just remember though there are no stupid questions just stupid people who ask questions now who has questions right <laughs> right right it's it's not a matter of you know there's no there's no right or wrong question there's no dumb question it's a matter of what can you what can this person asking the question do with the information I'm about to give them that's correct are they truly asking this question or are they just fucking with me <laughs> you know right because uh, I mean it's it's a it's a big difference between like um you know, an idiot saying, saying one thing, and then a, a truly intelligent person saying the same thing. You know, because if if someone with intelligence is asking a question, that means that they're going to be able to do something with the information you're giving them. Right, right. I love the idea of sitting down with someone like that and asking these questions, and they could be the smartest person ever. You trust them with anything, and then they'd be like, "No dumb questions," but. Is it pink and fluffy? What the hell are you gonna do with that information, man? <laughs> <laughs> uh, those uh, those memes that's you know circled, you know uh, a while, uh, quite a few months ago. It's like um, I will answer any question you want, and then you you ask the questions like any question but that question. Yeah, that's you know. It, that's it. <laughs> And, and I am, again, I go back to my, I can't help myself oftentimes. I am that guy that will, you know, now, you know, are there any questions? Uh, and yeah, I, I can't help myself. I'm the guy with the stupid question on purpose. You know, hey, who cut your hair? Uh, you know, it's like, what the, dude, you're bald, man. Why, why do you even care? <laughs> yeah, dude, why do you dress like that? Are you a pirate? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like. I mean, like, you could just ask a dumb question at that point just to have fun, but like, yeah. Yeah. you know, some people ask, I swear to God, some people ask the dumbest questions. What, and it does, it goes to intent and an individual personality, because there are those folks, right. I've, I've attended enough conferences where, uh, and, and, and if you ever, if I ever come off, please feel free to slap me down. If I ever come off like I know more than I think I do, feel free to call me on it. Um, Having said that, I've been to a number of conferences and conventions uh, with a lot of smart people, uh, PhDs and general officers and, and that kind of thing. And a, a lot of folks I, ha I, I impress, I'm impressed by in the sense, and I'm not easily impressed, but I'm impressed in, by the fact that they're willing to go through those gates to get where they are. It doesn't mean I think that they're any better than me or any worse than me, but they've gone through those gates to become the, you know, chairman of the VA or the, you know, deputy undersecretary of the army, you know, Hey, I, I don't worship you, but I get that you went through some 
challenges to get there. Having said right. that, amongst that august group of people, and I went to enough of these to where I was a regular at some of them. Every year when they would, uh, Congress would read the uh, National Security Act. That National Security Act here in America, Josh, in case you don't know, basically that comes with a big bag of money uh, to the Department of Defense. And one of the things I did after I got out of the Army was I worked with small businesses and helping them do government contracting. So knowing how much money the Department of Defense had to spend each year helped me direct my clients appropriately. How much did they give exactly or well, roughly? It, it depends every year. Um, it changes, but you're talking to trillions of dollars. Um, gotcha. And when you're talking small business alone, uh, small businesses alone account for about 75% of the purchases out of the Department of Defense, and you're talking hundreds of billions of dollars. Um, Jesus. So there's a lot of hundreds of billions of dollars out there. And so there's a lot of, you know, high ranking, important people that go to these conventions and uh, they they talk about what, you know, where the things are. And, and, I, and I lay all of that out. I'm trying to, to paint this picture of this really high order thinking group of people that come together and i got to be known as a regular amongst some of them not that i'm a high order i, I was their token dumb guy you know the old napoleon test you give it to the dumbest guy and if he understands it it's good to go um <laughs> i was that dumbest guy. Um, i like that but but we would there there we would laugh because amongst this group of you know about 250 to 350 people uh that would regularly attend some of these congressional sessions and such there was always the same three people that would always we we called them uh spring butts they would always when as soon as the speaker would say are there any questions before they got the s out on the word questions old spring butt is up in the air with his hand up looking for the microphone because he wants to hear a question that they just answered but he wants to hear himself ask the question so he can look uh, across yeah. the audience and hear himself talk and right 15 seconds of fame that's huh? it and these are important people and it's like and, and some of the other high level thinkers we're all laughing at this high level thinker because ultimately human nature still applies no matter how smart you are or think you are no matter how educated right. you are th there's still those those individuals that you know and, and i i don't have an answer for that um and it goes back to how do you know what a good question is oftentimes amongst these group of folks they know what a good question is they know who the spring butts are um but oftentimes those spring butts are some hard workers now those three guys they were always spring butts they were three of the most technically competent guys and gals i won't di differentiate they were the most technically competent people that i never wanted to talk to in my life <laughs> does that make sense um they obviously absolutely knew their stuff and they wouldn't hesitate to tell you yeah this, it kind of kind of reminds me of uh, just the people that like to talk. You know, they may be smart, but they just like to talk. Yeah. Like, I, I get that. I mean, I like to talk. I, I'm on a podcast. There you go. And nothing wrong with it. <laughs> but I like to listen, you know. And every time I talk over someone, whether it be here or in another call, whenever, I feel awful about it because, I mean... 
I like listening to people. I like learning, but I mean, I, I also like sharing what I have to say. I'm, I'm, I'm with you there, Luke. It is, it is. I do, I do. I feel like I'm crap, crap. I just cut you off, and I, and I, now I just lost what you were going to say. And damn, I'm a horrible person. Uh, but, but the yeah. flip side is, like you said, you know, yeah, I've got something that I want to say, and and it's refreshing when, when I, when, when someone else, you, you know, you, I can allow you to talk because I know you're thinking. You're right. not thinking of what you're going to say next. You're actually listening to what I'm saying and then letting your thought formulate. And I try, that's something I always try to do is stop thinking about what I'm going to say and start listening to what you're saying and then formulate a thought. Right. And that's, you know, like, I think everyone should strive towards that. You know, you, you shouldn't ignore someone and just come out and try to say what you want to say. It, you should allow the information you're receiving at this moment influence what you are about to say. Right, because otherwise you're not learning. You know, you're just you're taking the information that you have, calling it good, and saying I don't want anything else. That's it. It's it's just reaffirming that, that self reaffirmation without any potential for growth. Right. I, what one of my pet peeves has as I've gotten older, uh, and very few people do it. I, I uh, try not to speak ill of of people that were in my life personally. I'm a divorced guy. Uh, what one of the things that that would irk me and it still does is when people say to me well i i, I know what you were going to say i know what you're thinking you don't have a freaking clue what i'm thinking well I, you know, right I, i've known you for 20 years now don't get me wrong i love it some of the guys i ride with i mean we know each other we're you know we, we've ridden enough together we know each other's we got each other's back if someone comes up to me and says hey your buddy cliff said a b and right. c yeah i know cliff would never say a b and c I, I got his back i know he wouldn't do that but i'm not going to walk up to cliff and yeah hey, you know, my buddy hey i know what you're thinking uh no i'll let you tell me what you're thinking and then we'll go from there uh, right and see there's there's some you know there's some uh, surface level things you guys understand because you know y'all are together all the time it's it's a camaraderie thing you know it's brotherhood it. almost it's it's a caveman brotherhood you know some right. simple needs simple survival skills it's you know we're not there for emotional support uh we're, we're right it, it's a it's a great time to hang out together and not have to say anything we can ride bikes for four hours and not talk uh right but it, there's there's once you're together, like around somebody long enough, you you begin to learn a lot of subtle things and be able to pick up on a lot of subtle things. And to an extent, you can kind of predict what they might say, yep. feel, do. But you're never going to know someone's full beliefs on something. The only person that knows how they truly feel about something is that person. That's it. And oftentimes I, I submit that that person doesn't know and i can only speak from personal experience because i've only ever been me in this life um right i i rarely and you know yeah we all want to project confidence and, and that kind of thing but yeah it's you know the bottom line is i rarely i rarely know truly how i feel about something that's, that, that's a real issue with me uh because i mean i go back and forth on stuff and one of the huge ones is abortion for me yeah. i go back and forth on abortion I, I'm with you on that one. I and I have, uh, and, and it goes. I think it goes back to again that Western notion that we talked about before. Either there's the sense that you either, be, you either gotta be for something or against something. You have to pick right. a side. And I submit that you don't have to pick a side for certain things. Absolutely, you gotta pick a side. 
but not everything. Not everything has to have intense meaning to everybody. And and it's and it's okay to listen to somebody discuss through that. And I think abortion, and that's one of those almost taboo topics that I love to talk about. Um, right. And, and speaking, you know, speaking on abortion, I sent you a text right before we right before we hopped in this call. Gotcha. Where I, uh, where I where I said something about abortion and reincarnation. Yes. Yes. Okay. So, would you would y'all guys like to kind of hear my my, my stance on kind of like what what, I, what my my train of thought with this uh, little comment here? I'd love to. Absolutely. A lot of people say that abortion abortion um you know it, it's it's murder right because you're killing a potential human life right th- th- those who say it's murder right they say that life begins at conception and therefore anything after conception is murder generally speaking. assuming reincarnation is true right gotcha. assuming that once we die our consciousness goes back to some whatever um, ethereal pool of consciousness we get reassimilated into this pool and um you know we lose the ba- we lose the boundaries and the borders of self and we go into this higher consciousness and then as a new life you know a new vessel is created it you know eg a body your number comes up in the waiting room right exactly once your number comes up in the waiting room uh whatever you know gods that are <laughs> that are keeping or gods, aliens, ethereal beings, right. higher, <laughs> you know, what, whatever, whatever's above humanity the is, uh, monsters. that one, <laughs> uh, whatever, whatever's up there, it just takes a scoop out of this, you know, pool of consciousness and pours it into the person. Well, if, if that's the case, then, you know, if, if you know, I'm saying if reincarnation exists that way and they just take the consciousness and put it into the new vessel that's being created, then I'm okay with abortion, okay? Because if that's the case, it's not um, it, it's not technically murder because you're not killing um, it, it, you're not ki- you're not killing the soul. You're killing the vessel. It, it, that that soul that was going to go into the vessel can still go into another vessel. Maybe it won't be the same because you know chemicals and shit affect and experiences affect you know a person. But at that point, I would say it's not necessarily murder. And, and so let me interject there for a second with with the term then is may, maybe it's the terminology in and of itself because murder the, the word itself murder in my mind um, and from my Catholic upbringing and then trying to find some solace between the commandment thou shalt not kill it's more recent interpretation that thou shalt not murder and me on a personal level trying to reconcile that with my job as an infantryman uh which was to go out and kill with intent and right there so uh, maybe it's the terminology murder is not so much the physical act in and of itself murder is the intent behind the physical act um the physical act itself is killing Right. It, it, specifically, it's uh, kill someone unlawfully with premeditation. There you go. And so, by, by and 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 help me with this. I'm I'm trying to to digest what you said here. Um, so, technically, it's not murder. Then would that mean that technically there is no murder? Period. Because even if you're 60 and 
I come up and murder you and you're 60 and there's reincarnation and somehow we can prove it. Um, that goal gets, so do you just now all of a sudden, there's an episode, again, I, I will throw my, my my failures out there. I love Rick and Morty. Um, I love Rick and Morty. <laughs> I love Rick and Morty, dude. Awesome. <laughs> there's an episode of Rick and Morty, you know, that, that talks about that. Um, you know, that, that, uh, if, if that's the case, then, you know, the, the many worlds deal, we just, it, it doesn't really matter. We just, you know, we, we, we can kill you. And it, is it really even murder at that point? Does it even matter? Um, right. Cause, cause it hasn't, it hasn't necessarily been affected by, um, in any of the chemicals that are in the body just yet. It, it hasn't, um, had all these life experiences that, you know, create a person. It, it's still blank state, uh, you know, a blank slate. The, the tabu, tabula rasa. Uh, that one. Yeah, <laughs> blank slate. Um, and and that's that, that's an interesting, you know, that would be a good foundation for an argument for pro-abortion. Um, right. That it's not murder. Um, that you know, it's it's assuming assuming that. You know, reincarnation works as I have stated. Right. Then, in that case, if that were the truth, um, then I'd be okay with abortion. Science. Uh, right. And that that that's that is an interesting thought experiment. Um, it, but again, I think that that would then cut back to at what point is the blank slate no longer a blank slate? And that's the question they have with abortion right now. One of the questions is. You know, right. At, the, the, at what point does it become a person? Correct. I have one acquaintance of mine who would argue that in the United States, it's strictly, it's not a matter of moral or spiritual or religious question. It is strictly a matter of the courts. It's law. The law states that not by, let me restate that. His, this is his argument. It's not that the law states it. It's that all the laws in precedent point to the notion that you are not a person in the United States until you are physically born. That's when you are issued a social security number. That's when you become an official human right. by recognition of the United States. Now that is the penultimate you know, secular view. Let's take all religion out of it. And then at that point, again, my take is then we're nothing more than a number and none of us matter. Um, if, if there, if the soul, if consciousness doesn't matter, if, if there is no real good or evil, it's just what I choose it to be. We talked about this before, then why don't I just go next door and take everything I want from my neighbor, other than the fear of consequences by society, uh, with, without a thought of a higher power there. Um, that's where I struggle with abortion. So, I hmm, that that's a difficult one. That's that's a lot to unpack there. Yeah, and that's go, going back to your to your ethereal pool. Um, the the notion of reincarnation by most most of the cultures that ascribe to some form of reincarnation, all of them in my experience, have in common that the point of reincarnation isn't just to, because because it's a, a regular cyclical part of nature, but that 
you're constantly trying to improve. The purpose of reincarnation is to improve to soul, the soul to a state to where it can transcend into a higher uh, right. plane of existence. Right. And see, okay, so this is something I've kind of thought about. I wonder if the place that we go when we die, you know, because I'm of the opinion that there is some place that we go. I don't know the nature of it, but I do think that there is some sort of afterlife. I wonder then if the afterlife is the same places where um, ideas come from, and uh, we, we can tap into it. it. And is it also the place where we were before we were born? I mean, it could be, you know? I mean... It, it, like, like a rest stop, you know? Yeah, just it's like it's like doing laps at a race you know it's um the uh, before you go you know before you get back into the human race you know you uh it's that point of turnaround where you're suspended for a minute and then you're born again and uh, right your consciousness takes a pit stop takes a rest yeah you know? reassessment uh, reassessment or or you know um you know they just add you to it and then they uh they uh it could be a matter of when you know when they take you you know with death and your uh, body goes back to this consciousness it takes whatever this little portion of um you know your consciousness that came back affected by all your you know everything that happened to you in life and it's now this new um like some kind of chemical and they pour it in there okay and i just i imagine that every um every person that comes back to this pool this ethereal pool uh, you pour this chemical in there, and it changes the the makeup of the um, of the the ethereal pool. It affects it. So, as we progress and move on and on and on, um, the consciousnesses that um, get added to the pool and then get recycled, um, they, you know, and we have new births. They pull from the um, they pull pull from the pool, right. and. Uh, <laughs> And uh, it, it's like it's like a linear progression of consciousness, you know what I mean? Right, right. And right. I mean and that that could be potentially how we got to where we are now, how we go from being animalistic to suddenly developing consciousness. Continuing to build off of almost like we do in the physical world, how we build off of past inventions. Right. On the ethereal world, if you will, we're building off of past experiences. What what I call right, it the was... super subconscious, which I, I think it's describing the same thing you are um yeah i like that better you you, you can explain it more concisely than i just did <laughs> i was tripping over my tongue the whole time <laughs> no no you you i i was tracking with you right there it's a it's a it, and i and i i i tend towards that belief in life that you know there are there are those that say that we're simple that, that our consciousness is simply a side product manifestation of our physiology and it ceases to exist as soon as we do and there's nothing afterwards and maybe for them that's the way it is maybe they are allowing their spiritual energy we talked about before you know there's you know pot there's upspin downspin at the quantum level on particles right. that we can't even imagine seeing I wonder if then, um, I wonder if this super consciousness, it's, it's maybe it's just a collection of all consciousnesses being able to talk and communicate with one another simultaneously so that a way they can share all their experiences 
at once and ponder over them much quicker and faster than say you or me would be able to right now you know in, in fractions of a second information is shared talked about and discussed and you know maybe that's where ideas come from because they 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 this super consciousness um builds on the past experiences of the people that are added to it and, and because so, it is at, at maybe some quantum level or whatever uh in this physical universe everything ultimately breaks down to some type of wave function or field function and so if that's the case then yeah it, it's something that can be absolutely passed on and, and changed and modified uh whether you like it or not whether i like it or not the, the way i look at it is we are all individual drops of water and each each one of us is an individual drop of water have self-consciousness we have self-awareness and so we want to retain ourselves as that drop of water but our end state is to fall into the ocean we're going to be in that ocean we're going to be that one big body of water and that one big body of water is made up of an infinite number of drops an infinite number of individual souls if you will but that entire body of water just like you described the super, the super conscious there is that it's it's Right. And I do I do like this analogy of all these water droplets going back into the ocean because you know uh, that's why there's a that's why the water's so salty, you know. It's because of all the uh, the minerals that the water brings along back with it and drags it to the ocean. And, and, and I wonder, you know, I, you know to analogy wise compare the saltiness of, you know, the seawater to um, the in intelligence and all the uh, information that is within the super consciousness it's you know evaporation pulls the water droplets up rain goes down brings more minerals into it that's it it changes it changes the nature of the of the whole by the individual right. actions right but, but any individual action in and of itself seems insignificant to the whole but all of them become the whole and maybe right. So, so you take a look at that individual droplet of water that is Luke, and that individual body of, of the droplet of water that is Luke is made up of specifically identified quantum particles. That, ha however, whatever reason, the wave functions have collapsed to the point to where you are Luke the raindrop. And right. At that point, then you don't want to as it's self-conscious you don't want to lose that but once you get into that big ocean those particles are spread everywhere 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 and over and now the ocean like you said it's going to drop up it's going to rain again it's going to be recycled a hundred million times but what if after that hundred million times in an untold amount of years by some random chance of of god or nature all those exact same wave functions that ended up collapsing that one time to make those atoms that made up the raindrop of Luke, what if they all came together again in a hundred years or two hundred years? Is right. that reincarnation? Well, I mean, that would be history repeating itself. And all of the physical particles that made up Luke make up Luke again. Would you retain could you retain the same consciousness that you had before when you I did think the same it's, molecules? I think it's something of an echo. I think that... Almost a deja vu kind of a thing. 
It is kind of like that, yeah, because you know how they say um, history repeats itself, right? It's, it's reoccurring. It, it does reoccur, and events can happen similar to or nearly identical as they happened in the past. Um, and and now that I'm thinking about it, one of the funny things is um, the connection of Kennedy to Lincoln. Right, right. All those similarities with the secretary and the days. Yeah, you're right. It's right. It, it's essentially the same thing happening again. Um, I mean, there's obviously differences, and, you know, there was progress done there. Sure. And yeah, but like. There's so many similarities. It's crazy. It's like um, it's it's like uh, it's like that meme where it says, "Hey man, can I can I uh, copy your homework? Sure, just change it a little bit so it doesn't look like we cheated." Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it. It's it's weird. It's definitely a weird thing to ponder over too. And and that's and I I do believe that I always I, I used to teach history and I would always caution not to caution you. I would always caution folks. History doesn't repeat itself. But it sure does look a lot alike a lot of the time. Right. Um, right. And just like you, you, you qualified it perfectly, you know, technology changes, you know, it's not exactly repeating itself, but you're exactly right. And again, I, I always love to, I, I, I somehow can always tie everything into quantum physics. Um, quantum trend analysis and predictive, the, the whole concept of predicting the future through quantum physics, predictive technology, what Google and Facebook are using in, in their predictive algorithms. Um, it, yeah, it, it lends to that notion that, and going back to your reincarnation ethereal pool, is if, if there's enough, if there's enough intent, there's enough to cause a change in the field, in the energy, uh, whether it's a bunch of raindrops pulling a bunch of minerals out of the atmosphere before it hits the rainwater or before it hits the ocean, or it's a bunch of humans, you know, trying to think good thoughts instead of bad thoughts. Um, can it have an effective change? I, I do absolutely believe in that, you know, the old power of prayer. Right. Now, am I a religious zealot who, you know, believes in the power of prayer? Uh, not like I said it, but absolutely there is, you know, there is power to words, um, and, and, I, and, I, and I misspoke. There, there is power to those thoughts, and those thoughts can be manifested through words, through action, right. through energy. Um, this um, this, this kind of ties into that whole debate over um, is time linear or is it cyclical? You know, right. uh, are we doomed to repeat, you know, the same cycles over and over and over again? And we will never, um, will never progress. And a lot of people don't like this, you know, the cyclical um, time theory because it um, it implies that there's no progression. People like the linear one because you know it says that as time goes on, we progress, whether it be in consciousness or otherwise. There is progression. People don't like this idea of a reset button. Right. I think it's both. I think um, I think we do have sort of a reset. But it's more just like a, like setbacks. That's it. Like pretty much, um, if something ends up going wrong, or if we're straying off the right path, it's a setback. You know, take a few steps back, try to backtrack and figure out where you're supposed to be going. And I honestly think that's what it is. We are linear, linearly progressing, but every time we step on the wrong path, we're like, hold up, wait a minute, this ain't right. 
and we, we, we take a step back we're oh no this is the path I'm supposed to go down and we continue on that's just my thought what's your thought I, I would say and go going back up up to the super conscious super subconscious uh, the, that which and again this is all presumptive of the notion that there is something more than just us just a random universe bubble and that's it um, yeah we, we I have a I've got another question then for you go ahead uh, I'm, I'm sorry to cut you off there no, go ahead please so so you you were talking about if a certain thing is done and it kind of ties into my um, this this linear this linear you know cyclical progression um, you you think that if you um, you know, correct me if I'm wrong you, you said something along the lines of if enough people do the same thing like like say power of prayer yeah. enough people do the same thing it can have some effect on the super consciousness right absolutely I believe that okay then do you think then some malignant force could then try to on a wide scale corrupt the human nature and then when they are um, you know they have this tainted spirit this corrupted soul that goes yep. and is added back into the superconscious do you think you can set it like like like, like it would be a setback I you described it very well um, I I do believe that and that goes back to my belief that one of the things you had asked before is you know your thoughts on good and evil does it really exist and i do believe that there is what i call a big g good and a big e evil um and i don't think it's a you know a, a good god on a cloud and an evil devil in in hell but but there just as like i've said before in, in quantum physics there's you know, in, in regular physics, there's positive charged particles, there's negative charged particles, uh, and good and evil, the big G and the big E definitely are a form of positive and negative charged particles. And each of those particles have specific effects on, on physiology of life in the universe, whether, we, whether we're human or microbial or whatever these quantum waves have an effect and having been in combat and, and maybe this is just purely my spiritual way of dealing with with reality but i can tell you that absolutely as a presence of its own evil absolutely exists and you can absolutely be absorbed by it it's, it's a fight, absolutely. The age-old fight between the big G good and the big E evil, I believe, is real. And that's the struggle of our super subconscious. And that's been the struggle of mankind as related in the Garden of Eden and many other stories about, you know, the dichotomy of, of the human soul. I wonder, I wonder then what would be an objective good or an objective evil what is something that is always good no matter what and what is something that is always bad no matter what uh, uh circum you know circumstantially it, it, and that's that's a tough question um because like people I've, I've heard some I, i've posed this question to people and some people have said well murder you know murder is always bad well is it though you know is killing always bad you know what if 
what if you don't kill this one person and it causes you know a thousand people to die right, right. is it is it is it right to let a thousand die or is it right to kill this person yeah and that's and I, I followed that one that one stream there and there were some good comments that came out of that some, some good questions that you know that to bring up you know things like well do you save four obese old guys or one baby oh you save the baby of course well wait a minute i'm a i'm an old obese guy wait a minute um, <laughs> but but on the other hand now wait a minute what if that baby you know is a baby adolf hitler and because we're living in a world of of make-believe anyways we can make believe anything what if you know that's baby hitler um, right. And see, and I think a lot of people with this with this argument, though, they're trying to apply value to a human life. And honestly, I don't think you should do that. I, I think you should look at each one as an equal unit to one another. OK, each life is as valuable as another is. And you should go for quantity. OK, because if you focus quality, then, you know, that's a matter of subjectivity. Right. When, when you bring subjectiveness into it, that's where it becomes debatable. Okay. I think objectively you should always go for quantity because it's honestly it's just higher possibility of information, you know, higher pos you know, higher potential. You know, you're you're more likely to get more out of a thousand than you will get out of one. Right, and, and that again, that's where you know it becomes very case specific. Uh, but but it is that's that's one of those. So here's here's an argument that I would then pose. Would you save a thousand babies or the Queen of England? If, as the D and D Dungeons and Dragons guy, am I lawful good? Am I lawful evil? Am I do? Am I aware that I'm lawful evil? Do I think I'm lawful good? Now I saw some of the arguments uh, that that I hear a lot, and I saw it on that that thread that you discussed um, about. Everybody's the hero of their own story. Nobody ever thinks they're the villain. I disagree. Um, having played many a board game, there are often times where I like being the spoiler. I love role-playing the evil guy. Right. Um, and having said that, and if you look throughout history, um, do, do you – I don't, I don't know because I'm not in his head. Joseph Mengele, for those of you who don't know who Joseph Mengele is, I encourage you to Google him. Um, not a great guy and and there are those that would argue um well he thought what he was doing was the right thing well we don't know that nobody knows that except him and i would submit to you that he knew exactly what he was doing and why um the the, the nazis thought that they were doing the right thing the 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 head nazis by killing the jews they believed in it bullshit they knew exactly who had the wealth and how to get the wealth from them. We take them, we steal their wealth, we kill them all, and we get our racial people to believe that they're the evil demons. Right. There's no way, there's no argument you can ever make to me that will make me believe that Joseph Mengele thought he was a good guy doing the right thing. Okay. I think he knew exactly what he was doing, and he was a greedy bastard who was doing it for self-gratification. Okay. And that's evil. That is evil. That, okay. I would say that's fair. But what if people, like, what if a few people benefit from the actions of what you've done? I think absolutely the United States and Russia advanced tremendously as a direct result of the work that Joseph Mengele 
and the Japanese did Japanese did everything as bad as the Germans did during World War II as far as human experimentation. And, and I'm not saying the Americans were innocent either, but the, the point is the, the human experiments went on. We knew it. The Russians knew it. It was abhorrent and horrible, but the results were tremendous. And talk, when, when they talk about treating patients with frostbite, um, the leading frostbite treatment came out of Nazi experimentation on Jews by just sticking them out in the cold and seeing how long they would live until they froze to death. Um, that's horrible. Did we destroy that information? Hell no, we used it. So can could come from evil acts? Absolutely. Um, that doesn't negate the fact that it was evil and how it was obtained. Right. It that and, and that true evil does exist, and tr and truly men can know when they're not the hero. Not every man knows he's the hero of the story. Some men know they're the villain and relish it. Serial killers. Um, w uh, with a lot of not all of them, but some serial killers have said, "If you let me go, I'm going to do it again because I like it." Right. Which at that point, though, that's you know, that it's a good thing to them. Maybe it's selfish, and maybe it causes harm to you know others and kills others. That's the little G. That's little G good to them. That is big E evil. Right. Anybody who relishes, anybody who relishes in stealing your neighbor's baby and eating them alive in front of your neighbors, that's evil. Right. <laughs> I'm sorry. Right. I mean, e even if you're getting something out of it, that's still fucked. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. It's little G good for you, but it's and, and that goes back, is there good and evil? I believe, yes, there absolutely is. It's not subjective. It is absolutely objective, big G good and evil, and we're and that's what I believe when we die. That's that's our own heaven and hell. God's not going to judge us. The big spaghetti monster's not going to judge us. We're going to judge us, and that goes back to my belief in reincarnation. If you screwed it up so bad, guess what, buddy? You got to come back. Um, once you attain that highest level of hey, you know that that's that's the, that's the track then that's when you transcend this physical reality and, you know, move on to the next plane of existence. Right. And so it does, it, 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 it leaves open a whole lot of complex issues about morality and ethics and, and big topics that easy to fall down rabbit holes. Yep. Josh, you got anything to add to this? I think the only thing I could possibly add to this is I have not had way enough drugs for this sort of conversation. <laughs> yeah, this 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 would be an interesting one to be, you know, I, I would love to touch on this subject again on some sort of uh, intoxicants. <laughs> you know, uh, I'm with you, brothers. <laughs> I would definitely have to take better notes because otherwise I would be off some rabbit hole. I think we all would be. <laughs> right. And I got a few notes here and I had a couple of notes that I had wanted to write down and then got sidetracked and I didn't write and consequently forgot. <laughs> um, Perfect. But I, hell, I guess we've covered, we've covered a lot. Yeah. Outstanding, man. Uh, guys, I can't tell you enough, man. You, uh, from a totally personal, selfish perspective, you guys are great therapy for me, man. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Uh, Luke, uh, thank you guys, man. No, not a problem. Uh, I guess 
Uh, hell, we'll, we'll, we'll call it here, roughly. Yeah. Is that, is that okay. good to y'all? Yes, sir. Right, before we you before boss. we uh, before we bail out, Jeff, let everyone know where they can find you. Gotcha. Uh, again, I'm Jeff Smith. I'm on Facebook, Jeff Smith Senior on Facebook. Um, I'm also associated with the Patriot Guard Riders. Um, you can find us at etpgr.com. Stands for East Texas Patriot Guard Riders.com. Uh, and I'll leave those plugs at that for right now. Awesome. And Josh, what about you? Yeah, most of the time you can find me either editing away at these podcasts or on Wednesdays I do my radio shows for Splash Damage Radio, 8pm to 10pm GMT. Uh, It's pretty easy to spot which show's mine because I'm literally the only person who does a show on Wednesday for that radio, but hey. (laughs) Well, there you go. You don't have to compete with anybody, huh? (laughs) Well, alright then. I guess we'll call it there. It's been a pleasure, guys. Been a pleasure.